Thank you for listening to Pow Block Podcast, the flagship Nintendo podcast of Boss Rush Network. Do you need even more gaming and entertainment in your life? Head over to BossRush.net where you can find news, reviews, creators, podcasts, and more focused around the content you enjoy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Nintendo Pop Black here on Boss Network. I'm your host, the enlightened and excited Eddie V. Joining me is the dev- devastating, de- devastating dungeoneer himself, Mr. David Lasby, who has been a while since I did this. <laughs> We're glad to have you around, Ed. Uh, the, the vivacious vegan himself, Mr. Grayson Morales. What's up? Thanks for having me, guys. Happy uh, to be here. And uh, sophisticated, and how should I put this? <gasps> the lovely Mr. Stephanie. Wow, I actually threw you a little bit off guard. You usually are pretty quick with those nicknames. Yeah, I, I wanted to add something like really spicy because just like, oh, I'm so happy doing you come on the podcast. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Stephanie's here. I get the nerd out. Yeah. Uh, so much when I got that message because I had a, a late work meeting that went till eight o'clock Eastern time. It's eight thirty now. I'm like uh-huh. doing it. I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. How was everybody this weekend, <laughs> Grayson? How was your weekend? Um, it was good. I mean, I I think I was mostly just laying around. Uh, like we'll talk about it later. But I was playing. I I, I started and finished Life is Strange: True Colors. So that was the majority of my game time. So I'm, I was very proud of myself for finishing that. Because lately I've been like juggling like four games and haven't finished anything. So that was my weekend. And yeah, definitely snacked a lot on a lot of things. So Oh, yeah. yeah well, I've seen your snacks. So I was just like, are you snack Halloween outside? He's just like, yes, I am. <laughs> In advance. Right. Stephanie, how was your weekend? Oh, it went by in a whirlwind. I'm trying to even remember what I did. What did I do? I don't know, like a mix of adulting and a mix of whatever. I met up with a friend, and then my son had a play date, and oh, we had a yard sale. Ooh, so <gasps> this is a little hard for me to say out loud because I was trying to forget it. I had to, I had to sell some of my old consoles to make some money to buy Ooh. some new stuff. Oh, you help bless Rip. people to <laughs> find the past, to live the past. Yeah. You know, it's funny, like, no one really wanted anything else, but as soon as um, some people started seeing the games, they're like, oh, what's this? Like, do you have any DS games? I'm like, hold that thought, I ran to get it. And, like, I'm not a real true game collector, so I can't Mm -hmm. really act like I, I don't know, I just feel like there's this guy in particular who bought, like, 90% of the games that I had sold, and he says, I'm so excited, I can't wait to go home and play these. So I'm like, you know what? He's going to get much more benefit from it than I have. Those are games that I've played through once, done, never touch, and probably will never touch again. I mean, there's stuff I wouldn't get sell. Like, I wouldn't sell my Ocarina of Time N64 cartridge. I said, oh, never. Really? That's my baby. <laughs> That's my baby. But the other stuff I parted with. And I made a little bit of money, so now I can kind of justify some fall purchases. Yes. I need to do a garage sale. I've never done one yet. Like go in, like go and shop. Like, do I need an outfit for a garage sale? Hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm bad, but when it comes to clothes and certain events, I literally used to buy clothes just to go see a certain movie. Like, I get outfit oh. out to go see a certain movie. <laughs> Grayson is just like, I know all about wow. that. 
<laughs> David, how was your weekend? Uh, you know, it's good. I've um, been trying to, well, I guess I shouldn't jump into this now, but I, I've been playing a lot of Metroid games trying to finish through that, so I'll talk more about those and playing with power. But um, I've, I've been having a lot of success with that, so that's been good. And uh, I started reading my first video game-based novel, which was kind of interesting. I've, I've done, like, the graphic novels for uh, Legend of Zelda, but as you've heard me talk about Aliens Fireteam a lot, they um, Cold Iron Studios partnered with um, an author to write backstory for the game, and so I'm reading that novel right now, and it's actually really good. I'm enjoying it. So. Oh, did they bring it out? Yeah, yeah, I ordered it on on Amazon and I've been reading it this week, so that's been kind of fun. And then it's it's made the game more enjoyable because they, like the the studio and game designers like worked really close with the author to like write them at the same time. So there's like all these like references to each other in the game or in the novel. So it's been kind of fun to go back and play things and find Easter eggs. So it's it's been kind of it's it was a cool idea. Oh, he nice. says backstory for Fire Team. Mm-hmm. Wow, I didn't know that. That's awesome. They wrote it the same time as they wrote the game, so okay. so they're like huh. really super connected. Nice. That's cool. Ah, cool. Kind of made me wonder if uh, other, because like especially like you know how like Nintendo is always looking for merchandise opportunities and stuff. Like uh, imagine like for Breath of the Wild two, they release uh, you know a manga Ooh. at the same time that's like <laughs> canon. Oh my god! Like that would be so cool. So I, I hope that I hope that other companies start doing that. Oh, I will be at Barnes and Noble pre-ordering. <laughs> I need like four copies of books here. Well, you, you know Nintendo would only make like four copies. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then it'll disappear after like March 31st, whatever. Right. Date that right. Is. <laughs> well, uh, for me, um, I went to go visit a friend in uh, Indiana. I got to hang out with them, like really miss them and stuff. Treating them out to... Uh, brunch. Um, we uh, watched Super Metroid uh, Speed Run. Um, got to play Ghost Runner actually on his Switch. And I was just like, if I play this, I need to be because I was late in bed, far away from the TV, and it was kind of, it was kind of dark, and I couldn't see something. So I was running off the buildings multiple times. I was just like, oh, I'm playing Mario Brothers, and I'm just dying, <laughs> like it's no tomorrow. But uh, it it really it was really fun. So I might have to pick it up. I'm still playing with power there, but I have more to talk about. But yeah, that's kind of what I had, and then of course, show and tell. Yes. Our very own uh, MJ Kong, also from another Zelda dungeon, um, another Zelda podcast. Oh, goodness. I apologize, <laughs> guys. Another Zelda podcast. Um, her debut book, Among These, is out. So I have pre ordered my copy from Barnes and Noble. You guys can get your copy also from Barnes and Noble, um, or just look up MJ Kong books. Uh, at on Twitter and like go on her link and um, uh, get the information there. Uh, it just released, so guys go out and support her. Uh, when she, I, 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 if you don't know NJ Khan, we, me, her, and uh, Laron from Crossroads, we did in the past a Boss Rush podcast about the Mass Effect episode uh, games, and um, we just nerded out being, you know, talking about that game, and she's been talking about writing her book, and um, I told her once the pre-sales go up, let me know she did, and I pre-ordered it, so uh, I cannot wait to dive in on vacation and read it, so 
uh, among these mj khan uh congratulations on your debut book and yes you guys could check it out at barnes and noble but we're going to get into snack tendo stephanie what have you been snacking on all right uh snacking on a little here and there um i found i i doubt they're new but just i found is it birthday cake flavored oreos so it's birthday cake <laughs> oreos yeah I found my new favorite Oreo flavor. <laughs> and here's the thing. I don't know if um, this happens to you, David, but, like, I have the best intentions when I go food shopping for my son, who's trying to peek into the computer because I've talked about Oreos, that, you know, I buy these snacks for him. Like, oh, well, now that he starts school, I need to pack these lunges. I might not be able to make the healthy ones all the time. I just need, like, emergency snacks like Oreos, goldfish, whatever. And let me tell you, on 90% of the time, I'm throwing that high figure out a lot, I eat all of those snacks. Usually he never ends up seeing that light of day. I'll like give him a banana and then I'll munch on the chips. <laughs> so that was the story behind that. He picked those out and then I decided to try one. I'm like, those birthday cake flavored Oreos are bomb. And then bacon, not bacon flavored Cheez-Its, but they're, they have this bacon seasoning on the Cheez-Its. Yeah, I was like, okay, I really love bacon and I really love Cheez-Its. This could either be really good <laughs> Oh, really bad. Not too bad. Um, it's It t- took a while for me, my mind to kind of wrap itself around what my taste buds were feeling. Very savory, <laughs> but it's good. And then uh, lastly, um, I actually bought, I probably should save the box, um, some vegan pad CU um, to add to my meal. Um, I'm always game to try out and experiment all these different kinds of things. I just love the flavor of pad CU. Mmm, that sounds good. Uh, That's me. Uh, well, I gotta explore some more Thai food. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, so, Grayson, what have you been snacking on? Oh man. Okay. So there are two things that I have to talk about, <laughs> and they're both. And both of these things I got from Trader Joe. Well, actually, no. One of them I got from Target. The other one I got from Trader Joe's. I have to look this up because I forgot the name of the brand. But this is um sweet and salty kettle corn. And it's from Boom. It's called Boom Chicka Pop. Yes. And you, you guys have probably seen it before. Oh my God, these are so good. And we bought um, instead of buying like a big bag, we bought like uh, a big a bag that comes with like seven individual bags of popcorn. Oh, they sell them you know? that way. So you know, whenever you're craving like popcorn, you can just have a little personal bag of popcorn. So that's really good. And then from Trader Joe's, I don't have them. I finished them like in one day, but we got these. They're pretty pretty much just plantain chips that have been like like crisp like made more crispy. So like deep fried, I guess. And they're so freaking good. Um <laughs> that we divide like it was a small bag. Me and my partner just like ate the whole entire thing in like one or two sittings probably. But man, yeah, Trader Joe's is like the best for snacks. I can't like every time I go there, we're just like want everything from the, the snacks aisle. Um but yeah, those two things um uh, snacking on. I've also just, we bought a box of ice cream sandwiches from Target. They're like uh, mini, 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 like super small ice cream sandwiches. You don't feel bad for eating one like every night. So yeah, that's that's pretty much it for me. Uh, ice yeah. cream sandwiches, I would do two bars so good. per night. <laughs> yeah, they're so good. Uh, when they when I see a buy one, get one free uh, deal. <laughs> like, oh, I got 12 bars. <laughs> yes. Uh, David, what have you been stacking on? Um, well, I, first I just gotta say that the seventy, the the kid snack is oh, it's 
that's trouble. Like anytime I go buy stuff for my kids, especially if I'm hungry when I'm going to buy kids stuff, it's it's over. And I I know when I'm buying it, they're not gonna see it because I'm gonna be eating it. So, um, and Grayson with uh, Target and Trader Joe's, it sounds like we we shop in similar circles. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, so the school year started for me and, you know, having 160 kids in my classroom all the time with COVID and everything, I'm trying to like learn new habits about, you know, when I'm wearing my mask and when I can, you know, eat and drink coffee. And it's, uh, you know, I'm somebody that normally just sits and drinks my coffee all day long. So I've had to find like quick solutions. So um, Rise Brewing Company creates this iced coffee that's vegan and they're in these like little seven ounce containers it's nitro brew um so i got this one it's oat milk as in oats not goats uh (laughs) oat milk (laughs) and uh it's mocha flavored so that's been pretty great and i can kind of just step out of the classroom for a minute and down some coffee to keep going and um that's been helping a lot and it tastes delicious so uh that's been my my snack rise brewing company ah nice uh, well, for me, I'm just going to focus on one thing. Uh, if you guys follow me on Twitter, you may have seen the Nutella cheesecake. When I tell you that if Jesus didn't die for your sins, <laughs> this uh, cheesecake did. It was amazing. I, I... This would be me in the holy in my in the holy spirit look at each other just like gotta uh we need to go take uh go to the cook and find out who how y'all made this because this anoints us right here who it this was so good like it tastes like uh it, it tastes like an oreo kind of pie um but so much smooth and so good like we went up and got four pieces and then literally was was looking, making sure that people didn't touch it. And so when they put more down, we went up to go get some more. It was amazing. We were just like, uh, we need I need the recipe for this. I need to buy it. Like I wanted them to make a whole pot. I would have paid twenty five dollars to walk out with this pot. This that cheesecake was I I sat in my chair and had to think over my life for a good minute. And it was just like, wow. I have never tasted cheesecake like this. Wow. Ed, did you have coffee or anything with it? No, no coffee with it. I've never had cheesecake with coffee. I don't know how you ate four slices without <laughs> coffee. That's so sweet. Like I need the bitter to balance it out. It's it, it's, it's it was you literally could eat it in two bites. It was that smooth. Like you tasted it and it just melt and it was gone. Mm. So you didn't have time to drink anything. Like and the, and the pieces were so small. It was just like I gotta go up and get another one. I gotta go back and get another one. <laughs> they ran out. Oh, five minutes had passed. They put a whole bunch of plates out. <laughs> get another one. Gotta get another one. And literally <laughs> just just sat back and like it stuck. And I was just like. I don't think I've ever tasted any kind of cheesecake like this anywhere. Like they outbeat Sara Lee. They outbeat your grandmama's favorite recipe. <laughs> like like talking about my grandma. I'm just kidding. Like literally, I like I said, me and the Holy Spirit was just like we, this anointing is right here. I I don't 
Jesus, are you sure that you forgot to add this for communion? Because <laughs> it was so good. I couldn't stop eating it. I was just like, wow. So the Nutella cheesecake. Ugh. Holiness. That is... I would literally drive the two and a half hours just to go back to that place just to try that. Wow, you got awesome. me sold on that flavor. I already looked up on Pinterest a recipe for Nutella cheesecake, so... I'm going to give that a shot. Perfect. Yes. Well, everybody, that has been Stactendo. Now it's time for Game Fact Events. David, give us the facts. All right. Thanks, Ed. So, <clears throat> Ghostbusters Afterlife, a new film from Ghostbusters franchise, is set to release November 11, 2021. But do you know the history of the original Ghostbusters films and the corresponding game for the Nintendo Entertainment System? Um, so I had to look this one up because I heard people talking about the game the other day, and it, it reminded me of how hard that game felt as a kid. Um, and I wishing that I could play it again and thinking about the new film coming out. So um, <clears throat> Ghostbusters is a licensed game by Activision based on the movie of the same name. It was designed by David Crane and released for several home computer systems in 1984 and later for video game consoles, including the Atari 2600, Master mm -hmm. System, and Nintendo mm -hmm. Entertainment System. But the primary target was actually the Commodore 64. Uh, in 1984, after the film Ghostbusters had been launched, John Dolgan, VP of Business Development at Columbia Pictures, approached Gregory Fishbach, president of Activision International and subsequently the CEO and co-founder of Acclaim Entertainment. And he offered to license the game's rights to Activision without specific rules or requests for the design or content of the game, only stipulating that it was to be finished as quickly as possible in order to be released while the movie was at peak popularity. Activision was forced to complete the game and the programming in only six weeks, in contrast to their usual several-month development. Activision had a game uh, at the time, which is a rough concept for a driving maze game called Car Wars, and it was decided to build the Ghostbusters game from Car Wars. So both the movie and the game proved to be huge successes. And now, of course, the game kind of is infamous for bad game design, um, but people really feel sentimental about it. So that was from Richard Camfield from Retro Gamer. Um, have you guys played the original NES Ghostbusters, and did you enjoy it? So I didn't play it. I had the second. I had the Master System version of it, mm. um, and I played that one where. You had to reach a certain amount of money to like buy your car, buy certain cars and equipment, like your traps and everything. Um, there was a little town that you would move around and with the Ghostbusters side, the uh, land on and stuff. And if you see some uh, ghost effect in the building, you would go there, uh, drive around, come to a stop. Uh, and then go in and try to uh, stop the ghosts and collect them and stuff. Um, and of course, you dealt with the Marshmallow Man too. Also. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and that the end goal is that you got to try to defeat Zul. And if you didn't have a certain amount of money, because uh, all the ghosts come to like the is it the state state empire? Yeah, uh, the empire, empire state building. State building. Uh, if you didn't have enough money or was uh, well prepared to go there, um, they will all come and it will end your game. So I played it on the Sega Master System. Yeah. 
Well, you know, I, I had to look it up now on YouTube just because as an adult all these years later, I wonder if the game was actually that hard or if I just, you know, wasn't good at it as a kid. And it, you can, the entire game can be completed in 18 minutes, um, but it's it, it yeah. still talked about as just terrible game design. So anyway, so that was our Game Fact Advance today. Yes. Wow. Nice. Did you get, did you guys play uh, Grayson or Stephanie? Or? Nope. I don't no. think I've ever even seen a Ghostbusters film. Oh so, seriously? Yeah. Oh no, yeah. I've never I've never gotten to like that the whole series. <laughs> so that's, oh. okay, so that game was like it was bad when it came out. Like, was it known to be like a, a, a bad game? I mean, it sold a lot of copies, but I think it's because yeah. the film was so popular. Because it, yeah. I mean, yeah. it made no sense. And it's like a classic example of jamming a, a game that's meant to be something else into you know like these sort of mass produced video games based on films that never turn yeah. out to be very good yeah yes yeah I, I haven't played the game but that's i think it's just more of a timing thing of like growing up and my parents heavily restricting my video game usage but i, I watched the original ghostbusters i think i kind of fell off when they started doing remakes just because i'm now old and stubborn and i'm very <laughs> hesitant to watch any remakes of any kind of movie i'm not you know um, and you know, my son is just getting into the Ghostbusters song, so we jam to that every <laughs> ride. Um, so I, oh, but anyway, so not not the games timing wise. I'm excited for the the movie that's coming out in November because I think part of it has to do with it's like the the descendants, right? The kids or grandkids or whatever. So that's cool. Yeah. That goes, and who knows? Maybe they'll come out with a better quality game to go with it or a spinoff. Who knows? You gotta watch the cartoons. You gotta show him the cartoons too. The <laughs> Ghostbusters. Oh my gosh, I remember that. Yes. Yes. If they just, if they just copied like Luigi's Mansion, I feel like you know that's something. There you go. Seriously, I mean, if you can't make a good game, I feel like just take <laughs> just take from a different game. You know, have Slimer driving the bus like Toe, and <laughs> you'll be good to go. <laughs> Well, everybody, we're going to get into Femi News. Once again, David, take it away. All right. Thanks, Ed. So limited edition Pokemon and Oreo packs are now available for pre-order. This is from Kieran Harris at GameReactor.eu. Oreo has revealed that it has teamed up with Pokemon to produce some limited edition biscuits sporting some of the franchise's most popular creatures. The biscuits feature the design of 16 Pokemon, including Pikachu, Bulbasaur, and Squirtle, and they can now be pre-ordered at the time of the article's publication and will be in retail stores starting September 13th, today. Along with the biscuits, an art installation of a pixelated Pikachu constructed out of 3D replicas of Oreo cookies will be placed on LA's Venice Beach Boardwalk from September 7 to October 3. Oreo will be providing photos and updates on their social channels for anyone unable to make the visit. So, for consideration, is Pokemon Nintendo's most marketable IP? And what has led us to this point that we are now pre-ordering cookies? Um, how hard do you think it will be to collect these? So, uh, Grayson, we'll start with you. What do you think about this? Uh, first of all, yeah, I'm pretty sure Pokemon is probably the most marketable thing they have. I just think that franchise spans so much. You know, when you have the trading card game, the TV show, the games, like there are so many different avenues that that franchise tackles. Like, I feel like this is such a smart idea. Um, and I think it's just because this comes because of like the whole all this trading card fiasco that's been going on with people 
uh, you know, charging so much money and YouTubers are buying the cards, but then like, you know, people are getting hurt at Target and fighting for them and stuff. And, you know, they've had to to limit customers and on how much they can they can order, which is crazy. And but I think that um, the same thing will happen with this. Like, even though it's like an edible thing, I don't think that matters. I feel like there are people who just want to have the, you know, the 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 special rare, because uh, there's like a rare um, there's rare like designs that are only found in like a very small amount of the cookies. So yeah, there's gonna be like I think this is gonna be crazy, and there's gonna be some issues. Um, for sure. <laughs> I don't know when it's going to happen, but it is. But we count on it. Yeah. Um, Stephanie, uh, you know, we were just talking about parent snacks and snacks for kids earlier. You plan on trying to snag some of these Pokemon cookies? And uh, what are your general thoughts on this? Yeah, for sure. I'm all, you know, anything that I can snag as long as they don't sell out. Um, my son is very vaguely aware of Pokemon, like he knows Pikachu. Um, I grew up with the initial craze of Pokemon, so and I don't recall if there's anything specific food-wise back then, but it's just the craze repeating itself. There's all sort. Pokemon has been a very merchandise-heavy um, um, franchise. IP franchise. Thank you. I don't know why I had a brain fart over that. Because, you know, I would say Mario is also extremely marketable. I mean, it, they just had that Lego yeah. set, and I feel like that's just such a worldwide name that anyone even that's not a gamer recognizes Mario. But I think the thing about Pokemon is there is a lot more Pokemon. There's a collector's mindset versus Mario's just an icon or representative of Nintendo. So that's where I think Pokemon was, you know, a wise choice. It's going to be popular. It's going to be hot. I know people will pre-order it. I don't know if it'll be as teeth-grindingly difficult to get as maybe a Zelda Laughwing amiibo, you know? <laughs> Um, but I definitely will be trying to pick up one and see what I get. Yeah. Um, Ed, what do you think? Do you, you agree with what Stephanie and Grayson said? Is Pokemon Nintendo's most marketable IP? Well, yeah, because it's, it's, it has a universal language to it that anyone could pick up and play and understand what it is. And it's been popular ever since the first game came out. Um, worldwide, and it's just been doing numbers. Um, so with this, um, and I, I would let everybody know that I already pre-ordered two packages. <laughs> so you're uh, the problem, Ed. <laughs> well, I I pre-ordered them before the story came out because they were just like uh, Oreo said, pre-orders are now being taken, and I have to say they're five dollars plus. There's five dollars each plus tax. The shipping. If you want the shipping, it's seven some dollars. So you're gonna end up spending about thirteen to fifteen dollars uh, plus, depending on how, depending on what you get. Um, so I got two packages, so I'm just waiting for them to come in, so I could taste them, show them off, and then definitely have one to show for Snacktendo. Um, mm -hmm. So I did yes. put it in. So I I literally ended up spending about twenty dollars on these, or just two of them. Um, but yeah, I think Pokemon is such, it's so, it's just so marketable. It's so easy. I mean, just look, we got Pokemon TV that came to Switch, and that lets you know that it got its own app. You know, uh, even with the Pokemon Direct that we seen uh, last last month or a while back, that that just spoke to a lot of people. Look, they're still doing uh, animations and stuff about that uh, Growlithe. Um, mm -hmm. character, you know, so it just shows you how much 
um, marketable than it, it is. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see on Etsy or something, someone already made a plush or keychain about it. So, yeah, Pokemon <laughs> is definitely a big franchise that yeah. is marketable to anybody. Well, I think you all make good points. And, you know, Stephanie, you brought up that Pokemon's kind of the perfect franchise to pick because people have a collector's mindset already just based on what the games are. And and I think that really does feed well into the marketing. Um, I'll just also point out that, you know, we're seeing an increase in, you know, scalpers buying stuff up, you know, being shocking demand for Nintendo stuff. But I think one thing that's not getting talked about enough is that gamers are just getting older, right? So Mm -hmm. people's expectations of what demand should be is rooted in them seeing these things as children's stuff, right? But but for a lot of gamers who are adults, it's not just, you know, like as adults, we're excited about these things as well. And so I wonder at some point if society will will start to have different expectations and we'll see either increase in supply um, because that is a that is a way that society's changing, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, let's check out this next story. So, um, how every single Metroid amiibo works in Metroid Dread explained. So this is from Brian at NintendoEverything.com. Over on Nintendo's Japanese website, additional details are provided regarding amiibo features in Metroid Dread. It covers how the original Metroid series, as well as the Super Smash Bros. figures, work in-game. Here's the full rundown. So, just for a point of reference really quick, the uh, Samus and Emmy uh, new Amiibos will allow players to receive an extra tank to increase your health by 100 and to replenish some health once per day. Players will also be able to receive a missile plus tank increasing capacity to 10 and replenish missiles once per day. The Samus Aran, Samus uh, from Smash Brothers, and Zero Seat will also allow players to once per day replenish health. And finally, the Ridley and Dark Samus ones will replenish missiles once per day. So, this past summer, there was a significant amount of outrage over the Zelda and Loftwing amiibo from The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD, which grants players fast travel, a feature not otherwise available in the game. With all the hype around Metroid Dread, is Nintendo finally doing this right with the Amiibos this time by creating these sort of secondary perks that you can only use once a day? Um, What do we think about the way these Amiibo functionalities have worked out? Grayson, we'll start with you. Um, Yeah, I think uh, this Metroid Dread Amiibo functionality is fine. You know, I I don't think it's uh, as bad as, like, Scoured Sword when I, f- I felt like people were upset because Nintendo was sort of holding back the quality of life feature that was something that we really wanted um, that wasn't in the original game. I think this is fine. It's it's a uh, Nintendo has always been um, they always they've always specialized in making sure that games are for everyone. So I think for someone who's um, this first time playing a Metroid game, I think it's cool that they have the opportunity to say, hey, I have have these amiibos. And if I'm struggling on this boss or something, just scan that sucker in, and you know you can get some health, get a, some extra missiles. Uh, I, I don't think it's anything that anyone should be like upset about or, any, or anything like that. Um, this is sort of like what I expect actually from like most first-party titles now, especially since like they haven't done too much with Amiibo lately. But yeah, I think uh, this is fine for Metroid. It makes sense. I, I don't really know what else they could do with with the Amiibo. So yeah. 
I'll, I'll jump in just to play devil's advocate here a little bit. I, mm-hmm. I'm somebody who actually wishes Amiibos would do more. And I, I have a pretty substantial sure. Amiibo collection, at least Legends, all the ones is kind of the primary ones that I collect. And, um, you know, I get the idea that, you know, key content shouldn't be behind a paywall. Uh, I've always felt like part of the issue with that is really about supply, Nintendo shorting things mm-hmm. all the time and making it unavailable. But also, like, as Amiibos become more complicated, they're going up in base price, right? They're no, they're no longer just, you know, $9.99 or whatever, 15 bucks. They're going up. And so I kind of wish Nintendo would incorporate them a bit more. Um, or even just, you know, like, I think Breath of the Wild really did a great job with that, where you got new skins or armor sets that did add some to the game uh, and were exclusive, and it made it worth going and getting those. Um, I feel like just reloading your ammo once a day is like, mm, uh, you know, it's really just at that point, I think, becomes about the figurine and nothing else. But, uh, Ed, what about you? Are you somebody that uses Amiibo? And what do you think about this? Uh, so I I do collect Amiibo. Um, I don't use it that often or anything, but I, I like the fact that it has this benefit that not only is a collector's item, you know, that it does have some kind of functionality with the games that you play. Um, I, I think what they're doing with Metroid, with this one, I think it's going to be good because I think for people who think who may play and may find it hard or difficult, we don't know yet, they may use these Amiibos to help even out the balance in the challenges stuff. Um, I, I'm glad that they limited one day uh, that you could use it. So it could be like, you don't keep just using it so you can beat the gang. You know, that doesn't give you no challenge or anything. So uh, I I love the way that they're doing Amiibo. Um, and people still go out. You, you'll start to notice something once you start seeing a certain Amiibo is being brought, uh, whether it's for a game or not. When you see a certain Amiibo that's being brought, you'd be like, oh, that was something about that's becoming popular for some apparent reason. Um, because, like... I think what happens is that definitely working at toys back in the day, Nintendo could produce all that amiibo, and if it's stuck there on the shelves, they're missing out on a lot of money. And that's what happened. Animal Crossing. Yeah, that's that. It happened with it. It happened with a lot of their amiibos. They sent us a lot, and it just stayed on shelves for years. And like maybe maybe there was a game that needed an amiibo definitely during the review days. Two or three people might buy it. But I'm like, a lot of that that they overproduced, it stayed on shelves. The the Shovel Knight ones stayed on shelves for almost four months. And Shovel Knight was popular for for years. Well, I mean, I would argue, though, that a lot, like, especially the, those Animal Crossing ones, like, you you couldn't give those away by the end. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they but, you know, part of the thing is they didn't really do anything. Like, they were really worthless. I find somebody who plays a lot of Animal Crossing, like, I, I, I wish that, and that's where I feel like if Nintendo allowed them to do more unique things, it might make them more of a draw. Um, it, it, it was it was because of the cars that they had uh, at that time, too. The cars were selling out more than the Amiibo right. itself. They were cheaper. Uh, the other thing I was just going to point out, you were talking about the once per day limit. Um, Super Mario 3D World uh, had their customized Amiibos as well, but you could use those every single level as many times as you want. So it's kind of an interesting you know, counterbalance to uh, like Catsuit Mario, I think, and Catsuit Peach mm-hmm. would give you invincibility on every level. <laughs> so it's like basically an easy mode 
Um, mm-hmm. And I actually think that's a that's a better use of Amiibos. Uh, Stephanie, let's get you in on this. Your final thoughts on this story. Are you somebody that collects or uses Amiibo? No, and I kind of wish I started before some of them kind of got really, you know, crazy with sales. And I'm not sure kind of what makes some, you know, sell like hotcakes and what doesn't, you know, other than how much Nintendo produces. But the only one I have is the um, Archer Link from Breath of the Wild. Um, and then I tried to get Zelda or Lothwing and I experienced a lot of rage there when I couldn't get it. Um, and then so when... Um, for Metroid Dread, I also kind of missed the mark on the new ones because I was like debating with myself. I'm like, but I don't use the Amiibo, but I need it, but I don't. Um, and then it sold out. So when I found out that they were going to reuse some of the older Metroid um, Amiibo, I went and pre-ordered Dark <laughs> Samus and Ridley. So I'm a little like disappointed just to find out that they both do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So like, but I'm not going to go on Twitter and bash Nintendo for that. Like, there's a difference between, like, having a little bit of mild disappointment, like, oh, I got two Amiibo, and I thought maybe they'd do, like, a little bit more different. But it is what it is, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. And and it, and uh, uh, before we go, that one Amiibo will do go on to various games. So just don't think it's just Metroid Dread. You got still Metroid Prime 4. So those Amiibos may also do something for that game also. Definitely with That's Mario. That, that, I think that's the thing a lot of people don't realize that, yes, you are spending this much for that one Amiibo, but it's going to be for various games within yeah. that series. That's a great point, Ed. And, and I know I already said it, but just to kind of wrap this story up, I, I really hope that Nintendo uses Breath of the Wild as the motto, model for Amiibo, Amiibos going forward because not only with the different armor sets that had unique function, mm-hmm. um, but being able to play alongside of Wolf Link in the game, mm-hmm. like there was just some yeah. really creative uses of it, and I hope that they go back to that. So, um, all right. So this is one that I have a personal connection to as somebody who who donated this, and I feel really bummed about. It. I'm curious what everybody else's take is. Hand drawn game guides ends Kickstarter project. So uh, this is directly from hand uh, drawn game guides and Philip Summers, the the head of that. Um, Handrawn Game Guides has canceled an upcoming release of hardcover special editions of guides for the original Legend of Zelda, Ninja Gaiden, Metroid, and Contra. Check out the message from Philip Summers, head of game, uh, Handrawn Game Guides. He said, quote, it was always a risk. Tonight I pulled the plug on Handrawn Game Guides Kickstarters. Yes, for exactly the reason you think it's for. I hope that I had... Uh, I could successfully navigate any legal trouble, but alas, I wasn't able to do so. Is this done for good? I don't know yet. I'll be finding out in the coming days. What I do know is that last month was awesome. You all came together in ways I didn't think was possible. It was a hell of a ride, and no matter what happens, I'll always be grateful for it. I always knew this whole thing was a big risk, but I looked at how other similar books navigated these sorts of issues and tried my best to learn from them. Of course, I'm disappointed, but I completely understand why this happened. It's okay. I'm not mad. And I mean, the timing is really awful, and I wish I would have known, say, three weeks ago, but here we are. I won't speak any more on the subject because I don't want to muddy the waters. Thank you all for your support. All right. So for consideration, a lot of people, myself included, were really looking forward to this project. With other companies like Prima Game Guides making similar guides that have directly competed with Nintendo for years, Many found this shutdown to be quite shocking. 
Have we reached a point where this is becoming a problem, specifically that companies like hand-drawn game guides are pulling content out of fear that Nintendo will issue a C&D? So Summers later clarified that the party only raised concerns. It did not actually issue any legal action. So, you know, really the heart of this, I, I think for me, and I think for a lot of folks, and I want to get your take on this, how is it that we have companies like Prima producing game guides or even, you know, Grayson, you're somebody that writes game guides uh, online for Fortnite. These are, you know, in essence, for-profit things that compete directly with Nintendo, and yet we see Nintendo throwing its weight around. Uh, Ed, uh, let's, let's get your hot take here, and uh, we'll bring everybody else in. Okay, so um, he did say, I think he also let it clarify that he is working with that party to find out on how he can go about it. So it, there's a possibility that it could still be happening. Um, so just want to, uh, say that, um, I think it's, I think it's when you don't get the license from Nintendo to work on their products and do this and stuff. That's when the C and D kind of comes in. This is separate from people just doing fan projects and making full games out of their assets or things like that. That's completely different. I think with this one, because it is a guy and stuff, I think the concern is probably is the concern is probably is are you making money off of our off of this guy and you know using our IP because you got to get a license you got to get the permission in order to do that uh, with Prima guys they had the permission from Nintendo to do things to do these um, and they were making money uh, as a business and Nintendo was also making money because they would probably get the game early so then for them to do the guys so there was a contract there uh, with it I think with this um, I think it still can happen I don't think you need a guide for Metro I don't think you need a guide for Zelda um, I think what you sh I think what he should have did was do guides for other Nintendo games or games on a Nintendo system that have nothing to do with Nintendo. You know, I would love to see a guide on Kung Fu. I would love to see a guide on Akira Warriors or the bad uh bad dudes. I would love to see a double dragon guy. You know, if you're gonna go all that retro stuff, you could do things with for real games that have been on the Nintendo uh, system without doing anything Nintendo related, you know, of course, of course, everybody want to see the guys for the artwork. They don't want to, they don't really care about how, how good it's going to help them or anything. They want to see if it's on a nice piece of paper and what kind of artwork or fan artwork that they did for it. You know, that's what I think people wanted to see with that. Grayson, you, as we mentioned earlier, you write uh, guides for Fortnite right now. Um, you know, where is that line between something being in the public space and people being able to just talk about it um, and actually sort of infringing on, uh, you know, a company like Nintendo's rights? Yeah, it, it's such a weird thing to talk about because, like, you're right, because if I write guides for, like, a Nintendo game, I feel like Nintendo if they would like to, I feel like they can just shut all that down. Like, no one's writing any articles about any of our games. But I guess this is an issue for them just because it's, like, some people might see that... It was, like, so a few weeks ago we were talking about um, um, Nintendo canceling a Smash Brothers tournament that um, they were showcasing a mod with characters that weren't in the original Smash Brothers game, like Knuckles and stuff. And I think this falls into that same category where Nintendo... 
if, if you're doing something that rep that replicates their IP almost like almost like it's from Nintendo itself, I feel mm-hmm. like if people were to see that, it's like they think that this is a Nintendo created product when it's not. And I guess, you know, Nintendo doesn't know what they're putting in the guy. Like they don't want them to, I don't know, put false information perhaps, but like you said, it, it's the same as me writing a guide online and publishing it right now. It's like, it's my word on what I'm writing. And it's like, it could be wrong information. You know, of course I strive to be as factual as I as possibly can. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's such a touchy subject. Like, and Nintendo has been doing this so much to so many fan-made, prod, uh, fan-made projects. It's just like, I don't know what to, I don't know what they can do anymore. Like what Ed said, I feel like they just need to stop doing Nintendo stuff because yeah. obviously they're just everything that's coming. And then the thing is, you know, websites are going to cover these things because they're cool and we want to write about them. And that sucks because that means Nintendo is more <laughs> likely to spot it. So, right. Yeah. You know, I, I tried to look this up before uh, the show tonight. And Ed, I actually, we'll have to have a follow-up segment on this, but I don't actually think P- uh, Prima had permission for Nintendo because theirs were published as the unofficial guide and they mm-hmm. Nintendo had their own guide at the same oh. time. So I do think wow. they're in direct competition. Um, so, I, you know, obviously we're not all legal experts here, but I, I think it is an interesting question. And where I get into it being Nintendo kind of, throwing its weight around is you know hand-drawn game guides is is a dude doing some art selling it on kickstarter right there's no room full of lawyers there to back up his legal rights to produce his competitive guide and you know i just wonder if we're starting to see nintendo really throwing its weight around in almost a bully way whereas it wouldn't maybe take on a company like prima guides because they would have the money to fight back. I I don't know. You know, Stephanie, you're somebody that you know as a, as an author, you you you're connected to the writing um, industry. Um, what is your reaction to Nintendo kind of squashing this? Is this squashing free speech, or is it really sort of infringing on their property with with these hand drawn game guides? Well, I think this is a really good segue, kind of from from what you were saying. Just my initial knee-jerk reaction with um, hand-drawn game guides in Summers is, you know, I, I I feel bad just because he's he's an individual. It's it's a it's just a small project. I can guarantee you, if he went through with a Legend of Zelda, it's not going to make a dent in Nintendo's profit. Uh, it's a passion <laughs> project. It's not a oh I'm going to screw Nintendo over and just make my own thing. No, I think this is just purely out of passion because he loves doing these things he loves art he loves these games um and like i said small business um but i will give summers credit um not that i would like to criticize other people but i just think he's definitely being smart and cautious Mm -hmm. because like you said he doesn't have a team of lawyers so he's thinking ahead of time like all right well you know what i'm just not comfortable with this and like ed said it's not completely shut out but like I said, he has the foresight to stop now and figure out the issues first instead of trying to dig himself out of a, you know, crap hole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then on the business side, I'm like, okay, technically Nintendo owes the property. It's it's just your basic copyright type things. So it's like, I'm very torn, honestly. It, it, it belongs to Nintendo. It's, it's technically Nintendo's. But on the other hand, it's like, I kind of don't feel like it just kind of doesn't give me just the best feeling that Nintendo like has to do, especially with Sony and Microsoft. I, I very rarely, rarely see them kind of pushing these people around as much 
I don't know if I'm talking in circles there, but it's like, it's, I'm so conflicted. Yeah, no, you're totally right. Um, Microsoft and Sony, and really we could bring Sega into the conversation, have always been about, hey, you love our stuff? Great. Like, you know, we'll take the free advertising and it's always Nintendo. Uh, you know, one thing I'd like to bring in, I've been studying copyright law a little bit for, for my editing program that I'm in. And right now, it the law for most books is 70 years after the author's life is how long it's protected. I think we need to start having conversations about video games and copyrights and being public domain at some point. And I think it should be a lot less time because the rate at which technology changes around books, it makes sense that it's 70 years plus the life of the author. Mm -hmm. In video games, 15 years is an eternity, right? So I, I think you can make the argument that like, okay, the original Legend of Zelda is 35 years old. We're at the point now where maybe we should be talking about that as like public domain, like it should be available for everyone. And, and you know, it would be nice if we could get some clarity around laws like that. What do you guys think of that? I, I think the thing is, is confusion with that, because even if it did to go to public domain, people might take that game, mod it and might do something with it. And then parents who don't know nothing about modding, don't know anything about video games, they're going to blame Nintendo for all of this stuff for something that they had nothing to do with it and i think that's the fear that happens and when and when something like that happens that affects nintendo's business oh you you modded the legend of zelda for for this to be a naughty gay nintendo <laughs> i'm not going to support you i'm not going to buy any of your games for your for your console because you did this with nintendo not knowing that we didn't do nothing the game of the game is public domain the people people took this game and did something to our property that we made i mean and in I fairness think, ed it would be 8-bit naughty so well, <laughs> doesn't count then. Yeah, yeah, but but some but some parents don't think about some yeah. parents don't think about games that way. That adults who have been playing with games, who have studied games, would know anything about it. You know, you guys mentioned the Sony, Sony and Microsoft. You, the problem with that is that no one cares about Sony and Microsoft. Why? How many season DC stories have you seen that they have done for fans to be talking about? Only fan game that I know from Microsoft is a 2D Halo shooter, like like Contra. I know nothing about Sony. I know more season DC stuff with Nintendo products because they know that Nintendo games is going to give them a spotlight or even a step into the industry because of Nintendo IPs being that popular. So I think Nintendo's just like, we want to protect our, not only our games, but we want to protect our business. Because if we don't, we're going to get blamed. Rockstar is a good example for it. The hot coffee thing that happened, mm -hmm. that was a C mod, and Rockstar got blamed and sued for that. And Rockstar did nothing about that. They had to take the, they had to stop selling the P, uh, PS2 version because the ESRB was going to rate it adults only. Mm. That's the thing Nintendo is trying to avoid with that. Sure. Uh, Grayson and then Stephanie, any closing thoughts on this idea that old video games should be public domain? I mean, yeah, I think they should. I mean, because we have, we have mods, you know, and Nintendo never really takes those down, I feel like. And that's sort of the same thing that Ed was talking about, where if someone were to do something to the original Zelda, it's like people do do that, and they do it to, like, Breath of the Wild and Wind Waker and stuff. So I don't know, like... It would be cool if people can do that and not get sued their whole life for it, you know. Um, 
and like you said, like two, 15 years is like over two console generations, basically. So it's like things just progressed crazy in the video game or tech world. So like, I don't know why Nintendo would be so fixated on not letting anyone touch like any of their old games. It just, it just it doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stephanie? I think it would make for an interesting discussion as video games, you know, like with books are consumable media. Um, it's a interactive story, right? With visuals, audio and all that stuff. Um, but I, obviously that would require very certain types of criteria, what can and cannot be done, you know, public domain. So like, I feel like it would be a good discussion to have and I wish people would be open to talking about it. Um, obviously it still needs to be treated a little differently than novels or books or whatever, but I think it's worth having that conversation or at least have something maybe that can protect like fan fiction or fan, well, I'm gonna use that very loosely, <laughs> fan fiction or um, stuff like that. Like um, just a quick like side thing is my my novel was a fan fiction of Ocarina of Time and I'm like, I really want to put this out there, but obviously I'm not gonna use the same characters. <laughs> How to change everything, but that's written media. You know, video games, whole different kind of animal, but I think we're in 2021. We've been through multiple generations of video games. We need to worry about video game preservation. That's a topic yes. that we're talking about. So I just think we need to start having that conversation. I love your connection to video game preservation. We should definitely mm-hmm. have a doc mode on that sometime, Ed. Um, our, mm-hmm. our last story uh, today, uh, Platinum Games wants to show Bayonetta 3, but it's not up to them uh, to say when and where. So this is also from Brian at NintendoEverything.com. Quote, despite a lack of news surrounding Bayonetta 3, the game has most definitely not been canceled, and Platinum <laughs> Games is again looking to assure fans oh, that things are God. going well. <laughs> VGC asked Sideki uh, Kamiya about the, that in a recent interview in which he stated, it was more of a... De- more of a not definitely something will come out this year, but if there is a year, then something should happen, right? <laughs> if you remember last time, I said that not even though everyone was asking about Bayonetta 3, maybe you should tell someone or everyone to forget about it for a while. I kind of need to keep to that stance for now because ultimately it's not our decision what to say and when to say it. As much as everyone is clamoring to see it, we are really, really waiting to release it too. Everyone who is working on this project is, of course, very proud of what we're doing and wants to see what we're doing. As much as fans are waiting for it, we are waiting every day as well for when we can show it. We want everyone to cheer us on as we run to the final stretch. We want to show it too! Exclamation points. (laughs) Uh, Atsushi Inaba, the head of Platinum Game, also said that fans don't need to worry. Don't worry about it this time, he said. Everything's okay. (laughs) <laughs> All right, panel. Uh, sure. Reactions. What's Nintendo's plan with this game, and when do you think we'll finally see it? Ed, we'll start with you. So, um, I, I I love this. I already do because <laughs> Nintendo it's Nintendo's money. Then they once again, like I said, they're shutting up until they feel like it's ready. And definitely with them doing Astro Chain and doing their. Um, Automata and uh, Reincarnation and doing all of this stuff for other projects, it probably took people away from Bayonetta 3 for them to focus on. So now that all of those projects are done and out, they could get back to working on Bayonetta 3 and coming in and making sure it's the 
best game. Nintendo is testing this game to make sure that everything is right. They're still giving, they're still giving uh, platinum games the freedom to do anything. It could be sexy, it could be violent, it could be bunkers as crazy. But they seen what happened with Bayonetta two. That game wasn't revealed. For, it came to Wii U. And they shut up about that game for almost two and a half years. And then when it came out, everybody was just like, this is game of the year. And still to this day, when they seen Bayonetta Smash, they were just like, yeah, we want it. We want more of this. So it, Nintendo knows what they're doing. They're like, we give you guys the right to make the game. They're using our money. We just don't want you to say anything about it. Because if you spill the beans, it's going to ruin our marketing plan that we have this. We want to roll this game out right. We want people to really play this and experience a, a great story, great graphics. They still want it to laugh, but also just be like, it's top A quality. They don't want this to be Bayonetta 1 again. Where it, yeah, it, it's so good, but it had a lot of problems on both consoles. They want to make sure that when it comes out, it's 1080p or whatever, it's 60 frames per second, and you really are getting a good story with bunker fights, boss boss fights, and everything. They want to make sure that everything is right. Nintendo comes in, and they play, and they'll be like, you need to work on this. You can change this. You can fix that. And once that's good to go, when it's complete, they'll put it out, and I think everybody will be like, finally. Now we know why they didn't say nothing. And mm -hmm. maybe it will be become game of the year. They're trying to go for a million-plus sale for this game. And the way yeah. that Nintendo has been selling games on one console compared to everybody else, Bayonetta has a chance to hit that one million plus mm -hmm. within the within the weekend. Look, you know, and I mean, we've talked a lot about um, you know Nintendo's model of being tight-lipped about games right up until they're ready to go, and uh, you know, it, looking at what's happened to some other games, uh, it doesn't seem like such a bad model. Uh, Stephanie, what are your reactions to this story? I, I too, got to gotta love the way the message read out. I was, like, rereading it a couple times before the show. I'm, like, making sure I understood everything. Um, I don't know if there's really much I could add other than kind of what Ed's been saying. Um, I, like, just selfishly, I, I kind of wish that I'm still hoping for the September Direct. When is this happening? I thought it'd be tomorrow. <laughs> that they might, like tease something about it but that's just like my that would would have been one of my wild predictions mm. i don't think it's really gonna happen um but yeah that, that's the only thing i really have to add because i feel like ed kind of covered a lot of my points grayson closing thoughts uh yeah pretty much what ed said like i think nintendo just wants this to be a really good bayonetta game you know bayonetta 2 didn't sell you know I'm, I'm sure as well as they wanted it to because of the sales of the wii u you know so maybe they're even if the game is ready at this point, maybe Nintendo is just not ready to release it with their current lineup. I think they have a solid, you know, not the best holiday lineup, but they have a lot of little games here and there, like uh, WarioWare and stuff to fill in the gap, um, and Metroid Dread, which, which is like a huge release. But maybe they're just not ready to to put it out. Like, it doesn't fall in line with their plans. I think we'll see it, like, I hope, I want to see it, like, fall of next year, hopefully. That could be a big fall game, and Zelda could be their big you know, spring game, hopefully, crossing my fingers. I didn't yes, get pushed please. back again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that could be a really cool holiday title for Nintendo. Definitely not like, you know, it's not going to be a Pokemon game on, you know, that scale of, of sales. 
But I could totally see this being like the best-selling Bayonetta game, perhaps, which is really mm-hmm. cool to see. You know, I think it'll bring in a lot of of new players. Um, yeah, I, I think they're just like holding it for now. So we'll see when they would decide to release it. You know, I, one other thing I think could play a factor, and maybe this is just my speculation, but Bayonetta definitely falls outside of the Nintendo bell curve for family-friendly games. And I, I just wonder... I wonder how careful they're being with a game like that or even the next Metroid Prime game because it says something about their brand a little bit. Like, if either of those mm. games come out that are more serious, more adult games, and they flop, it, it solidifies Nintendo as, see, it's the kid console, right? Like, it's it's mm. they can't do adult games. So I, I do wonder how much, m- like, more care Nintendo is taking with these games Uh you know, it seems like they're just mass producing Pokemon games these days, you know, and there's no, there seems to be less risk. Ed, do you have a thought on that? Just, just a last thought. Um, Bayonetta has become a gay icon and Nintendo <laughs> Platinum don't realize it because like when you, with the artwork, the way that she walked and, ta- and talked and stuff, there was a lot of gay gamers talking about how she is a queen, how she is a diva, how she is iconic, and people still to this very day use Bayonetta definitely with her music. They still use her as a icon for them. definitely the gay community who who knew that this would be not represent representative, but that people would be so like fall in love into a character like this like she is a mario brother kind of icon for the gay community for a lot of gay gamers so they want to know they want to make sure that when the game can't comes out and nintendo and platinum probably don't know this but in america when it comes out i, I bet you a party a lot of gay gamers and some hetero gamers too are going to go out and really support this game to see what is she doing how powerful is bayonetta is she twirling on a horse kicking angels (laughs) and and doing all this wild stuff and then just being goofy about her sexuality and stuff but also just being able to walk and look good doing it like a lot of people gonna be like this is crazy this is funny but She's a queen, and she's only her power. And a lot of people from the gay community love that. Thanks, Ed. That's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate everybody on the panel, and um, great stuff today. We, we we went a lot of places in this conversation. So, um, Ed, it's all you. Back to you. All right, everybody. It is time for Doc Mode. It's been a while since we had a Nintendo discussion. Last week, Sony had their PlayStation Games Showcase. A few weeks ago, Microsoft showed off some indie games coming to their platform. For today's stock mode, I want to ask the Elite Block agents, why should Nintendo players and fans play or experience other platforms? Why is it important to see their creativity, storytelling, and their ideas of fun? So, we're going to be talking about PC, PlayStation, Xbox, maybe uh, Stadia and Luna. We're going to talk all things about them and kind of less Nintendo for this discussion. I guess it's a Nintendo. Super Uh, excited for this. Does that mean like Crossroads and um, Arsenal X will finally shut up about trash talking power? (laughs) (laughs) They they do it because of me. So I I don't know. Every time I listen to the, uh, you know, Crossroads PlayStation podcast, they're always having to talk about Nintendo when sales and stuff comes up. So, you know, (laughs) 
Hey, Nintendo's running things, so you could talk trash about them, but they getting their coins. <laughs> like, like I, like I said, uh, for last episode, like I was telling David, that's crazy that Ratchet and Clank is eleven and Super Smash Brothers Ultimate again. That's been out for years. It's still killing it. You All right, it. we're gonna hear about this later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, let's get into this discussion. Uh, I'm gonna start with you, Stephanie. Um, why do you think that Nintendo fans or players need to experience games outside of Nintendo or the other platforms? I should say. I just think that it's a general rule in life that you just need to experience variety. Now, that is not to say Nintendo does not provide variety, as they've clearly proven themselves in the last years that for example their indie market like that's exploded like they have their indie world showcase um but yeah so nintendo i i always identify nintendo with a very very strong ips very very good um first party titles now known for um, doing well with um indie developers and working well with them and then again they do have their family friendly um kind of identity but now also with the switch the the docked and the on-the-go uh, mode. But basically, you know, Sony and Microsoft, for example, have a lot to offer that's still very diverse. You know, Sony, I also identify as one with very strong IPs, so to speak. They're third-person action adventure that I've fallen in love with personally mm -hmm. myself. And even then some, like, I don't have an Xbox, but lately what I've seen Xbox, especially with their... Um, indies that they are supporting I'm like <laughs> my wallet I just might as well go and throw my money out the window so just in general I think you need experience a lot of variety um, it's good for you it opens up your mind perhaps you'll enjoy a genre that you never considered before and you know what there's something I don't get about a select bit of gamers where they feel like they need to be dedicated to one publisher it, it like who uh, the, the Nintendo police aren't gonna come knocking down your door and be like whoa 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 what are you playing is that kind of is that kind of war like come on like, no one's gonna tell on you just enjoy what everybody's putting out yeah hey Sakurai when he did his Smash thing he showed a PlayStation Four and Xbox uh not series x but uh, xbox one and it literally showed that oh he plays a variety of games on a lot of fighters on different platforms that kind of shows uh grayson what did you think about this um yeah so i've been you know i've been playing nintendo for pretty much my whole life and i did um i was a big into the ps2 as well in those games but like i think the first time i was actually like just wowed by uh like a major PlayStation exc exclusive was like the first time I played Uncharted 2, like on a, on a, on a PS3. Like I was just, I play, I think I played through that game in like two, maybe two or three sittings. You know that mm -hmm. game is like pretty lengthy, but oh, like wow, I remember being like blown away by the cinematics and the cutscenes and the characters and their death and their motion and the voice acting and like motion capture. I'm like wow, this is crazy because there was a time when i had a wii and ds and stuff and i did not really play a lot of xbox or playstation so i was kind of like in my little cave but yeah once i got a ps3 and stuff i played uncharted and and i loved uncharted and god of war and the last of us like that which is probably like my favorite game of all time right next to breath of the wild so it's like these games offer i, I think just more engrossing stories and cinematics compared to nintendo games 
And then you have like genres that Nintendo doesn't cover at all. Um, like you don't really see open world RPGs coming from Nintendo that often. You know, you don't see like really a ton of rhythm games. You know, you have a little bit here and there. But you know, there are some franchises that they they cover extensively, and there are some that they don't. And I think that's also just a good reason to explore Xbox and PlayStation because they, you know, you can play these realistic racing games and realistic first-person shooters. You have, um, you know, strategy RPGs, whatever, you know. So I think that's what PlayStation and I, I don't want to say Xbox. I don't really love a lot of Xbox ex- exclusives, but PlayStation, I think, just if you want a really engrossing, uh, if you really want good stories and narratives, you know, they they really have the best of the bunch. I think. Um, for those type of games so all right uh david what are your thoughts well I, I agree with everything that you all said about you know variety and whatnot and i think for casual gamers especially i think that's really important i i want to speak to something that i think maybe for more serious gamers and maybe even just a, a narrower band of people even yet I, I really feel like video games are art and i feel really passionate about that and i know not everybody cares about this but I really want our medium to be taken seriously. And I say our medium because, you know, I'm not a, I don't write video game stories, but video games are the only medium of art that is participatory, that you take part in it, right? Um, You know, you defeat the boss. You don't observe the boss like you would or read about the boss. You are a part of that medium of art. And I feel really passionate about that. And I think it's important, you know, for folks who have a love for video games to appreciate all that the medium has to offer, to not get, you know, pigeonholed in one one aspect of video games, but to experience, you know, even, you know, a lot of people kind of dismiss first person shooters or third person shooters. But I think there's even you could make the argument, even those kinds of games, there's an art form to them. And Mm -hmm. Um, I just think it's important to experience that, especially as our, you know, we all collectively are getting older and we're sort of deciding how society thinks about video games. Um, you know, I, I think it should be taken seriously. So I love that you said that because I'm a huge supporter of video games as art. And I know that if there's a developer that just wants like I call it mental chewing gum, whether it's mm-hmm. magazines or games like, yeah, that those that exists and there's a place for that. But I think people should accept the fact that video, ga- video games can be art forms, um, absolutely. And um, I think maybe the only thing that might prevent people from exploring maybe other console-related games and has nothing to do with games themselves is maybe price. Mm-hmm. Like for the longest time, I'm like a two-console person, and usually I'm a cons- a generation behind purely because I cannot afford it. But like if I had the ability to, and it's not an access issue, I'd own a Switch, I'd own a PS. <laughs> five if i was lucky enough and an xbox series x you know i want Mm -hmm. to i've never been a first person shooter type person i ever thought i was good at it but you know what i want that far cry six you know what i'm saying (laughs) like yeah i I, I think for for me i you know once the supreme court said that video games is protected under the first amendment because it is art I think that really, you know, definitely for us as gamers took some relief off of it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you can't ban it, you can't censor it. Um, but you, depending on how the that publisher or developer goes about that game and what they can and can't do. Um, I think for me, um, like 
and it's weird because my first system that went outside of Nintendo was a TurboGrafx-16. You know, my brother, he had the Sega Genesis, so I was getting, you know, both worlds. And my mom, she had the Atari series, so I played that. But, like, for me, I was a Nintendo kid till I got my um, TurboGrafx-16. And I think once I started buying my own games and systems and going multi-platform, uh, I kind of understood that you know, there are stories that one company can't do that this company can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, where sometimes even games feel better on this console than a Nintendo console. Um, and I, it, to me, it's never been about the tech. It's never been about... Um, uh, well, some, for some stuff, it has been about, been about graphics because you would think that if you're on this kind of console you would have this better graphics, you know, like it, it's weird that Halo didn't sell me or Gears Gears didn't sell me on Xbox One but it was or in the Blind Forest mm-hmm. and it was just like no one is doing this artwork, like not even Nintendo or anything, and then seeing Cuphead and it was just like, oh wow you guys are using art that one of my favorite companies are not doing you know, and, uh, when it came to PlayStation 3, you know, well, PlayStation 3 was different because Xbox 360 was breaking down everywhere. So I was just like, I'm not messing with that genre. But it was just like getting it was getting the chance to play Heavy Rain and stuff mm, like that. Yeah. To actually get this narrative where I am making choices. And I love, the, I love Detective Nora kind of uh, books and stuff. And it was just like, this is what this game is offering me. And then getting a chance to see all of the stuff that Sony offered. Um, you know, stuff that Nintendo wasn't doing, wasn't presenting these other companies were and i think when gamers go out and support these or even get a chance to play them at a friend's house and like get these experiences they'll understand narrative they'll understand why not graphics but why art stars art styles really matter and everything i think a lot of people should open up the horizons instead of just sticking to one thing because you would literally miss out not on the conversation but you would miss out on the themes and uh the morals that sometimes games could teach for mm-hmm. absolutely <clears throat> so um let's get to the second question uh why is it important to see their creativity storytelling and their ideas of uh, uh david i'm gonna start with you well, Stephanie said something I thought was kind of interesting about limiting yourself to just one publisher. And if you think about that in other mediums of art, it sounds ridiculous, right? Like, could you imagine only seeing movies from Warner Brothers or like only reading books from Random House? Like, it's just bizarre, right? Like, no one would do that. You would know, like, that you're missing out on stuff. But for some reason, we have this tribalism with video games where it's like, oh, I only play, you know, Nintendo or whatever. And, uh, you know, I do think price plays a role in that. You know, like you said, somebody, we can't all just appreciate uh, or, or can't all just go and, and appreciate Sony or Microsoft, whatever, because you have to kind of make your commitment. Um, but, uh, you know, connected to, to different styles of fun, Ed, um, that's one of the things that I like about Xbox um, I know that Sony has some really incredible uh, IPs, but for someone whose home is Nintendo, as my secondary console, 
having Game Pass, which allows me to just try mm-hmm. all these other games that are kind of multi-platinum ga- or platform games, mm-hmm. uh, is awesome. Because then then I don't have to worry about price. I can it's it's all free, right? If I have Game Pass, and so I can try games like Zombies Ate My Neighbor or whatever that I would never play, but there's you know suddenly it's it's free for me to try. So I I like that. Hey, uh, Grayson, what about you? Um. I mean, yeah, I, I just think if you're, like we were talking about earlier, if you limit yourself, it's like you're not really seeing the type of creative games that have been put out there. You know, I, I'm thinking about, like, I thought about It Takes Two, because I don't think that game's on the Switch, right? No. That's a, that's a game that, come out, that came out this year that kind of, like, blew a lot of people away, like, surprised a lot of people, and that game's not on the Switch. And it's cool to see, you know, if people explore their platforms, they can experience games like that that aren't available on the Switch and kind of get an idea of, hey, this is how... How co-op games can be now because nintendo is a company that you know still does a lot of um like split screen local cooperative play and then i think if someone goes in place it takes two it's like oh wait there's actually a lot of things nintendo could be doing to improve upon like a lot of their games that rely on on a on a, on a multiplayer experience like side by side so i think it's stuff like that it's like there's just so many games and there's like so many types of games and genres and ideas and stories out there that People just can't limit themselves to one console. Unless, of course, like Stephanie mentioned, you don't have enough money. You know, that's why I, I do like the idea of something like um, Game Pass, like being on Switch one day. But that's like a whole other conversation. But um, just a way to give people that can't get another console, they can pay a small subscription fee to like check out another publisher's offerings, you know. Yeah. What about you, Stephanie? What's your thoughts? I mean, I guess just to kind of wrap this up with a pretty bow, I mean, I I kind of, when we're having, when we're framing the conversation like this, I see Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft as, you know, their employers employing developers or, you know, working with other developers. So I'm really more focused on the developer themselves and it just, they kind of end up where they end up. So if we look at something like, and forgive me if we'll be talking about it, the ID at Xbox, like something that stood out to me is Inked a Tale of Love. Now, granted, now they're on all consoles, but initially came out on Xbox. I, I when I saw the trailer, I was like, I never thought that there could be a video game done in that style. Or the Big Con, that's a very '90s style art artwork and gameplay. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, never seen that in my years of playing Nintendo and a little bit of my history with PlayStation. But again, like I'm not sure that that's not really a company thing. It's just I believe, you know, this developer hooked up with Microsoft and they helped them achieve the goal of bringing this art form to life. So can I jump in really quick, Ed? Yeah, I'm sorry, just something Stephanie said. You know, you're thinking about indie developers and how much that has become a big part of video games. It video games are no longer teenage, you know, suburban boys. Like like that used to be like the <laughs> club for video, you know, and and it's like so because video games are for everyone now, it's exciting that everyone is getting to tell their story. And so we're getting games that we it is like mind-blowing like you would never like imagine a game like that but like video games should be for everyone so we should have ways to try all these different types of games out yeah i think it's important for creativity and narration that for people to play these because like nintendo's good at comedy look at the mario and luigi games the you know their uh role-playing games like the writing is funny or even paper mario thousand your door but then you play something like um portal 2 
and you get into the writing of that and you just hear the shadiness, the comedy of that. Like, you understand that comedy and games can be done and it don't have to come from one company. It could come from anywhere. You know, uh, I, we sp- I, we spoke, I speak about art and I mentioned Ori and I mentioned uh, Cuphead because that's some that's something that when you actually look into art styles, that, that's expanding the genre. You know, the last big art style uh, to me personally was self shading, and that was even before Wind Worker came out. You know, to see that Sega did that first before other people took it and used it in their games, it was it was kind of amazing. But then you look at games that deal with partnerships. Um, you know, of course, I we use the Mar- I use the Mario Brothers and stuff. But I'm like, you look at uh, um. Uh, uh, um, goodness, what is it? What is my favorite game? The Last Guardian. Sorry about that. And how that works, you know, that's a game from Sony that really tells show the the show the idea of closeness between human and animal, and like mm-hmm. no one else was doing that, and you know, making this big grand adventure. But it's just like you feel for the characters, and it's and it's amazing. Uh, when I talk about Microsoft and I talk about Quantum Break on how they did with with time, and this is from Remedy, you know, I. They are, you know, they love weird sci-fi kind of things, but the writing is always good. The gameplay, take it or leave it, but they know how to they know how to make games and they are great at presentation for their games. And I think when you experience that on other consoles, you get a deeper meaning of video games. Um, I always talk about Papa and Yo because it dealt with abuse and alcoholism. We didn't get anything with that with Nintendo in previous games. It was always getting a high score or in later years, getting that achievement, getting on leaderboards and stuff. And that was so important. Now games, they speak in different ways. And you just don't have to hear a voice from Nintendo from their games. You get a chance to hear a voice from everywhere. And it's good that it's, it's good that it's out there for people to experience because as much as I re- I recommend a lot of weird games and I'm buying these games and there's some wacky stuff, it's, it's amazing to me that I'm like, I'm getting a lot of experiences that this one console cannot provide. But I'm getting it from everywhere else. And when I put the controller down after finishing the game, I take a moment in time to be like, I need to talk about this. I need to write about this. I need to make content about this. Like, look how look how Talk the Walk was born out. We weren't really playing walking simulators, but we found an audience after we talked about who we made, uh, what we made of Ida Fitch. And then look at how we did with Coffee Talk and how we did with Gree. And it's just like, we didn't know that we could talk about these games in this manner. And there is a community out there. And people who never played these games, they're getting into it because they're hearing a lot of people talk about it and taking something away from it. So I think it's very important for people to go out and play games. If you got Game Pass and you don't have Xbox, I mean, wait, so rephrase that. If you want Game Pass and you don't have an Xbox, get it on PC and play those games. Get an Xbox controller and play it that way. You can also play some Sony games on PC if you don't have a PlayStation. Um, Stephanie, you mentioned the yard sale. People are going to find these older games 
they could find that system too. They're selling it and experience all of those games from the past into current now. Find out franchises that they never knew that they made love or have questions <laughs> questions about. I would say I would say that. Um, <laughs> but I think it's important that if you are a Nintendo fan or are you just only playing Nintendo, I I advise go out and experience other games and other platforms because you literally will find something that is good that will connect to you that is not from nintendo look death doors came out for xbox and the first thing they say is the zelda clone it's zelda <laughs> is look how much nintendo games have influenced and is referencing other games so you'll still get that sometimes still get that nintendo feel but you still will get some more originality and creativity um just gotta go out there and find it uh any last words anybody um the only thing i want to throw out there is like again times are changing we're not in i don't really think we're not in console war territory anymore mm -hmm. and Though I'm not really a big multiplayer fan, but now we have some games that are um, cross-platform, right? Yeah. Which is amazing. So we're like slowly but surely closing that gap between like what kind of console you have and it's more like what kind of diverse set of games you want to experience. So I just want to throw that there. Yeah. Uh, I, David? I, uh, yeah, I just wanted to add too that having a diverse set of games lets a diverse set of kids know it's okay to be a programmer and to tell your story. Right. And we want that. Right. Like it's reciprocal. The more kids go into programming, the better and more diverse games we get. And that's the direction we should be heading. Yes. Grayson, anything? I mean, yeah. Like if, every, if everybody just plays one type of game, then we'll never get better games. So, yeah. Play games. So, yeah. <laughs> everybody play games. Experience the games as much as you can everywhere. We're going to get into our last section. Play with power. Stephanie, what have you been playing with power? Ooh, so um, I'm really only focusing on two games um, on the Nintendo side, which I can talk about all games I'm playing, but I'll start there. I've started Firewatch, finally. <gasps> yes. So I'm working through that, and then I'll flip-flop between that and Skyward Sword. I'm, I know I'm going at a snail's pace with it, but it's in part because my son loves Zelda, so if there's any video game he's watching me play, like, I'm not going to have him watch, watch me play Ghost of Tsushima. I'm just not going to let him watch that. He'll, like, watch, like, amazed, like, as I'm flying, like, with my loft wing. And, you know, sometimes he wants to play. So I'll give him my left Joy-Con. He'll control where Link's walking, and I'll control, like, the sword slashing. <laughs> so, you know, it's going at a snail's pace, but for a reason. I'm just trying to have a shared experience with my son. Uh, but, yeah, so Firewatch. Um, and then, yeah, the only other game, and that would be on my PS4, would be Ghost of Tsushima. I finally started that. I'm really digging just the combat is amazing. The the, the the Just the beauty and the art. See, that's the thing. If I was just only Nintendo, like, how would I not know about this fantastic, oh, my gosh, I wish I got it when it first came out. You know what I'm saying? And oh, just I'm going to keep going if I don't <laughs> shut up. <a> <laughs> I'm just basically around those three games. Okay, awesome. Grayson, what are you playing with Power? Um, I've actually also been playing the uh, Ghost of Tsushima, but I've been playing the new Iki Island expansion. Oh, nice. um, it, hasn't been, it hasn't been like my main, main game, but yeah, just playing that game is actually very, very relaxing and like 
almost therapeutic and zen-like for me because I just walk around and do side quests and, you know, Stephanie, like finding the birds and you're you're going and you're soaking in the tub, you're doing yep. haikus. It's just like, I feel like the action is just like on the side for me at, at some points because that game is just so much fun to just walk around that world and and follow the wind and just like, because there, there are times where I'm just playing, I'm like, I don't even know if this is a side quest or a main quest. I'm just going with the vibes and like playing this. So yeah, that, that game is just so much fun. Um, over the weekend, I played um, Life is Strange True Colors, which is also on Switch. Well, it's not, I think it got delayed, right, Ed? So the remasters got delayed. Um, I think that, yeah, it probably also got delayed with, uh, yeah. with the Switch version. Um, yeah, which is unfortunate. Um, but I hope it eventually comes out soon. But yeah, I I beat it. I finished it. Uh, I'm a big Life is Strange fan. The, the first game is still always my favorite game in the series. Like, I thought this game could maybe top it. But it doesn't. Um, but it, it's still um, really good. Uh, very emotional. Very. I think this is probably the Life is Strange game with the best writing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was, it was developed by Deck Nine, and they did um, Before the Storm, which was like a side, uh, like a, a shorter episode, a shorter episodic series that took place between, I think, Life is Strange one and two, or, or before Life is Strange one. I always forget. But um, yeah, the writing is so good, and just like this game is just. Because Life is Strange, I feel like, has always been held back by its its, graf- its graphics. It's always been the, the character models are kind of, like, stiff. And the voice acting has been kind of cringy. And it's, like, very, very slow in the way they talk. But this game has definitely made improvements. Uh, and it's, it's, like, the best technically, like, the best te- technical. Like, technically, it's the best game in the series. But I think story-wise, it's sort of, like, the ending kind of, like, was, like, meh for me. It wasn't, like, as climactic as a first game but the first game's choice at the, the decision you make at the end is just so impactful for me right i always i'm always gonna remember that because made me cry the choice i made made me cry so hard but um yeah i life is strange is really good so i recommend it to anyone you can also play it if you never um played a previous game because just like a standalone story but yeah. it's like you know one returning character but i think that's pretty much it all right yeah, besides, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so it, it is it's been delayed. Uh all of it's been delayed for Switch. So that's so weird. And there's no release date, I think, either. They just kinda they're kinda holding it back. Yeah. yeah great. Um besides that, I we talked about this earlier, but I'm I'm checking out the new Fortnite season. So that's been cool. It started today. Uh yeah, not much to talk about there. It's Fortnite. Um yeah, besides that, I really want to get WarioWare. That was I was split on buying that or Life is Strange on Friday to play over the weekend. I'm like, you know what? Let's, let me get Life is Strange out of the way because I know it's like, you know, eight, an eight-hour thing or less. So I got that out of the way. And I'm also playing Skyward Sword in the background very slowly. I just finished, like, the Earth Temple, I think. Uh, I, I did play it when it originally came out. So it, it feels, it still feels kind of new to me, though. There are some puzzles where I had to look up, like, guides for. I'm like, I feel so embarrassed and so stupid. But I, I remember Skyward Sword having, like, not hard puzzles, but sometimes it's, like, very obtuse. So I'm like, I have no idea what I'm mm-hmm. supposed to do. So in the Earth Temple, towards the beginning, when you're in that section, like, rolling around on that ball, there's, like, cracks on the wall that you have to bomb. And the game doesn't, like, tell you that you have to bomb those cracks. I'm like, wait, is that just, like, a, a texture? Or is that, like, an actual crack thing? So, yeah, um, that's been fun. And I think that's pretty much it. I've, I've also... I also have The World Ends With You, the new one. And I never played more than like two hours of it it's can i tell you can I, it's that still is in the packaging for me and i was so excited like i played the I original know. and i'm like 
I was so ready for the sequel, but then everything came out at once, and I have so many games going on. But and then I, I played No More Heroes three for review, so it's just been very busy for games. But yeah, that's me. Yes, David, what have you been playing with Power? So I, I've been making my way through all the Metroid games, trying to be ready for Metroid Dread. I, I don't know if I'm going to get there in time, but that's okay. Um, but this was my first time playing Super Metroid and loving it. Uh, I, I tried so many times before, and I guess now that I have an understanding of the Metroid franchise, it's been easier. Um, so I've really enjoyed playing Super Metroid on the SNES Online. Um, Did you finish it? Uh, no, I've got a little bit left. Um, okay. School, school year started, so I got a little busier. I've had oh, to be I cr- creative and finding I game time. to get to yeah. the last boss. I just can't wait. I want to hear your We will talk for this. sure. Yeah, I have lots of thoughts on the game. But uh, and then the new season of Fortnite started today. My, you know, Seven, you were talking about playing with your kids. And, you know, video games with your kids is such a special experience. And, you know, that's a, that's a game that my kids, you know, we do the battle pass together every season. And um, so I'm, I'm looking for, I'll, I'll be doing that when I'm off the podcast here. Um, yes. And then, uh, it, not on Nintendo, but I, I, I am just in love with Aliens Fireteam Elite. It's, you know, it's my, my favorite maybe my favorite story franchise ever the films are and so it's great when a video game actually lives up to your your expectations and and this one did for me so that's good cool yes. uh so i have a mixed bag also <laughs> uh i've been playing uh of course super epic i i am gonna get it back into no more heroes 3 um i ended up putting it down because of super epic on how just addictive that game is a uh, raccoon on a llama fighting pigs in a Metroidvania style <laughs> game. Amazing and it's funny and it's so good. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Streets of Rage 4, survival, getting my characters, trying to unlock all of their special moves and just like enjoying that. Um, finished Lake on Xbox. Uh, mm. I am writing the review. Uh, I'm going over it, making sure that's ready to submit and then be added. Um, I haven't I haven't even added the pictures and stuff. I'm just making sure that I'm like, do I make sure that this is clear that it that it flows? I want to make sure that it's really good uh, to get out there. Uh, playing Tales of Arise. Um, that's why I didn't pick up Mario uh, WarioWare. And it's becoming, like, for a lot of people, Game of the Year nomination is it's pretty much a Game of the Year nomination for me. It's leading up to that. I got to play more. Um, it really feels like a good Tales game. Like, they simplified it. It's not crazy or anything the fighting looks so f- the fighting is so fun and easy to get into um just truly enjoying that um and then going to be jumping back into dead space um the trilogy Ooh. to play throughout the uh week um i'm going to be playing it uh, kind of after the show so i could get done with the first one and then jump into two uh and then jump into three so um and also play gears five or series x i kind of want to see how the upgrades does it looks really good um for it uh i know there are a ton of games that are coming out uh i just seen that eastward uh is coming out oh, this friday yeah. um i've kind of been hearing some good things about it but uh i'm not definitely sure um so I cannot wait to get that and pick it up. I'm going to be finishing some games up on this vacation, I promise. <laughs> but, you have like, um, a great amount of games that you just listed. Like, I'm really looking forward to reading that Lake review because that's kind of 
an- another game that's like moving my barometer to Xbox. Same, yeah. <laughs> but mm-hmm. then like with play, you know, anyway, but yeah, get get those games done. There's a lot of good fall stuff coming out. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, Breath of Fire for uh, Switch Online, SNES. Uh, mm-hmm. I never got to finish Breath of Fire on Super Nintendo. And Capcom, if you're watching this or if anyone who loves Capcom, tell them to bring Breath of Fire 3 to Switch. I love that game. So, one of the best PS1 RPGs that I've ever mm-hmm. played. And uh, uh, along with Alondra, oh, Alondra can switch. But everybody, that has been playing with power, and that is the end of our show. Um, thank you, David. Thank you, uh, Grayson. Thank you, Stephanie. Um, we're we're gonna uh, just keep this quick and everything. Uh, everybody, uh, thank you for tuning in to Tinder Power Block. You'll be able to see our shows once again. We'll be going live again. This one was recorded. Um, We'll be going live like in two weeks, so we'll be back to our normal schedule. Uh, but you can check us out on Mondays at 7.30 p. 7.30 slash 8.30 p.m. on Twitch. Um, and also uh, check us out at Pow at what is our Twitch thing? Uh, <laughs> uh, I think everything's Boss Rush right now. The Boss Rush Network, you can just find us there. Uh, find us on uh, boss, uh, BossRush.net, I believe. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, everybody. I they told me not to do plugs, so that's why. I, uh, that's why I, I kind of just like trying to do stuff on the top of my head. So I apologize with that. But everybody, have a great week. Have a great weekend. Go out there and play some games. Experience a lot of stuff that's coming out or some stuff in the past. And with that, we'll see you next time on Nintendo Pop Block. Bye, everybody. Woo-hoo! Bye. Bye.